You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. Ali Johnson was born with a limb deficiency and began therapeutic horseback riding at age five. That eventually led her to become part of the equestrian staff at NSCD, a Move United member organization based in Colorado. It was there that she started to take up ski racing and would attend Ski Spectacular in 2018. And just last year, Allie had the opportunity to represent the U.S. at the Winter Paralympics. So let's chat with her. So Allie, I want to talk to you today, obviously, about the sport that you're heavily involved in, alpine skiing, but I thought we would start by just uh, learning a little bit more about you in general uh, and in terms of how sport has played an integral part of your life from the beginning. Yeah, um, so my name's Allie Johnson. Um, I am a 28-year-old congenital amputee, um, which means that my right arm is a little less developed than my left arm. Um, and it also means that I was born that way. So, um, growing up as a disabled girl, um, I had two little brothers and a bunch of cousins and they always pushed me to, you know, I wanted to be better than my brothers at everything. (laughs) (laughs) So I skied, I played baseball with the boys. I did diving, um, all through high school. And then Um, but horseback riding there, I joined a therapeutic horseback riding program when I was five years old in Illinois, where I grew up. Um, and that was kind of the biggest thing for me, being able to develop that confidence of being able to control a thousand pound animal. Um, everybody used to ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I'd say, Megan, my therapeutic horseback riding instructor, who also had one arm, um, which was really cool. And I got to live that dream. Um, I became a therapeutic horseback riding instructor when I graduated from college um, and joined the staff of the program that I now ski for. Um, So sport and disabled sport and adaptive sport has played a huge and life-changing role in my life for sure. And so when, when did you first get out on the slopes? Yeah. Um, so growing up in Illinois, we didn't have that much access to, um, you know, mountains. (laughs) We skied on a couple of landfills in Wisconsin. Um, (laughs) but my grandparents have had a place in Winter Park, Colorado, um, for my whole life. So we'd come do the spring break thing. I loved it. Um, I, yeah, I just, I always wanted to be faster than my brothers or, you know, show that I can do whatever they can do. Um, and so I didn't start, I I've been skiing my whole life since I was about four or five. And then I didn't start ski racing until, um, 2018, my coworker at the time at the national sports center for the disabled was, you know, talking to me, he's a coach in the winters for the Alpine program. And he was talking to me, um, 
and asked me why not. And I did not have a good answer for him. I had just graduated college, didn't really know the direction that I was heading to. Um, so I didn't have a good answer to why not. He um, talked me into trying out ski racing at the Ski Spectacular um, with you all in um, 2018. And I fell in love with it. <laughs> it's just such an amazing environment that you all put on and, um, the people are just great. So I got hooked. You guys got me. <laughs> so, so the lesson or more of the story is have a good reason if you don't want to do something. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, I was kind of looking at it, re reflecting and everything. And Part of my role as a therapeutic horseback riding instructor was to prove all of the why nots wrong, to mm -hmm. be able to, you know, oh, why can't I do this? You can. Let me show you how. I think a lot of people with disabilities are told no and like, no, you can't. No, you'll get hurt. Um, I wanted to be the person to say, yes, you can. And then when it came down to it, I, you know. I tried something new, something out of my comfort zone and was able to kind of live that advice that I had been giving so many years. So that's true. And I think, you know, a lot of us put up sometimes our own walls, right. Mm -hmm. Or perceived walls and barriers. So being able to tell, uh, to break down those walls and break down those barriers and, and answer the questions, you know, of answer the question, why not? is, is exactly. a good a good a good practice for all of us to 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 learn from yep and and so at at ski spec were you immediately at in like in uh center race camp since you obviously had a, at least grown up skiing and and was familiar with skiing yep um i got to do the racing camp version um i got to meet one of my very best friends. I was in her wedding a few years ago, um, there and we, the bonds that you form when you're a learning something new, be out of your comfort zone, um, and kind of being able to just be around other people with disabilities that are also, you know, not worried about throwing themselves down a hill at <laughs> 50 miles an hour. It's a, it's a different breed. <laughs> Yes, indeed it is. And you said you were hooked. What what was it that hooked you? Well, so the community is really big to me. Um, all of the people that I've met, I've got friends that are from New Zealand that come and stay with me for a month in the winters. And I've got friends that I see at World Cups, um, all that type of thing, and really the support and people that this sport has brought me um is definitely one of the uh one of the factors that got me in but i also i got the silver medal at the race at the end of the ski spec so i like going fast too <laughs> i was excited about both i like i'm a very competitive person um but i also really love the community as well and so um you said you like going fast is it the just like just adrenaline um is it is it the wind is it 
you know, there's, cause you said it's a different breed and definitely even just being outside in the cold is sometimes <laughs> a, di- a different breed. So, so being able to, you know, being comfortable with all of that, uh, is that, I mean, what, what is it about, um, about that, that excites you the most? Well, it's just a really freeing feeling. Um, skiing is a really social sport. Usually, uh, being able to go out with your friends and, you know, have a nice powder day, that type of thing. Um, I think that it's a sport that for me is really accessible and I can, you know, I can race my friends down the hill or that type of thing. It's just a really freeing feeling of being able to prove yourself in that way, I think. Yeah, some sports, you know, um, have to be done or, you know, like adapt, some adaptive sports, for example, are, are, you know, individuals with disabilities that just doing that sport together. But mm-hmm. some sports, you know, like skiing, you can do with family, with friends and with anyone. Yep, exactly. And so after that first ski spec race camp, um, what were your kind of next steps? Uh, you know, so you went through that experience and then like, where, where were you thinking um, it was going to take you or what were you going to do next? Well, that's a good question. Um, I didn't really know where it would lead me. I just kind of felt like I was in the right place. Um, kind of that journey versus destination thing. Mm-hmm. Um I went back to the NSCD in Winter Park and started training full time with them. Mm. Um, yeah, I had committed to three days a week and then I got back from ski spec and was like, okay, I'll do the full five. (laughs) Um, but I then got to, um, my first downhill race in Kimberly, um, it was during my second season and I broke my leg in the downhill race and it was a, like the worst, it was an awful experience. I wouldn't want anybody to have to go through that, but it really showed me how much I do care about the sport and how much like, okay, some people would give up having this big of an injury early on, but I realized, okay, I'm in this for the long haul. I um, then kind of started setting my sights to Beijing 2022. So that, that one challenge, obviously, if Mm -hmm. you will, that injury, um, you know, that obstacle led to, led to your commitment. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes through that pain, yeah, you realize, okay, one, Mm -hmm. I I survived that. I you know, I can withstand that, yeah. and mm-hmm. and so I, I'm ready for more. Yep, exactly. And so, what did you do um, from from that moment to until Beijing to prepare yourself to train uh, to to reach that goal of of making the Paralympics in 2022? Yeah. Um, so. Training on Hill with my home club um, was really important in traveling to races and being able to most of the races that the lower level before you make the U.S. team uh, domestic races are kind of your go to. So um, races in Winter Park, Park City, um, I had to do a lot of equipment 
acquiring. Um, it is a equipment heavy sport for sure. Um, but it's cool because the community is so tight knit that, you know, I have, I have a left hand. So if I have a friend that's on the world cup circuit or that lives in Utah that has a right hand, then she'll, you know, give me a pair or give me the left-handed gloves and, um, like we can share poles and that type of thing. So the community really helps you with getting that equipment and being able to be competitive in the sport and a, and a lot of hard work. Definitely, definitely, yeah. definitely a lot of hard work. And I, I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, that, that training specifically in, in yeah. a minute, but uh, since you, since you brought up equipment, that was one of the questions I have. Um, as an individual with an arm amputation, there's not a lot of additional adaptations, right? Yep. I mean, as, yep. as opposed to like uh, someone who might uh, have a spinal cord injury and and need a, a mono ski or or something. Um, yep. So, um, talk about the equipment that you use and the equipment that you have um, that allows you to you know basically do the sport that anybody else does. Yeah. Um. So I am a part of the standing class. Um. There are three classes in ski racing, um, in alpine ski racing. So there's the standing class, the sitting class, and the visually impaired class. Um, we all compete against other people in that class. So I compete against people that are standing, um, and I ski with one pole. That's kind of the only difference that you can see. Um, my tactics are a little different because of how uh, my body, you know, counterbalances that type right. of thing. Um, but I am lucky in the fact that I don't have to get all the adaptive equipment. Um, and that the other people in the, uh, sitting class in mono skis, um, or even visually impaired people have to get twice the amount of equipment because they have to get it for their guide. So mm -hmm. it's, right. Yeah. Right. And so just to be clear, in, in, in case people aren't sure, so you compete uh, in the same class as a leg amputee does, right? And yep. So, yep. so there's no differentiation in points or scoring or time or anything? So they're within our, um, within our um, class, we have different um, types of disabilities and every type of disability is given a percentage of the raw time. Okay. So say I'm skiing against somebody that has one leg above the knee, um, and they ski with outriggers and one ski, then they would be, um, the, they would get a higher percentage typically off than I would. So that's kind of how we even out um, the right. <laughs> boring system, which of course it's not perfect. Um, it's, a, it's not a perfect. And it's a whole, we could have a whole conversation around exactly. classification and, and scoring and all of that. Yep. Right. <laughs> yep, Absolutely. And it's a long one. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, training wise, let's, mm -hmm. let's talk about, you know, um, maybe start with on season and then obviously off season, uh, after that. So what do you do on, you know, during the winter season, mm -hmm. uh, to train, uh, to be at the elite level, uh, in the sport? Yeah. Um, so 
the during the season, um, we are traveling quite a bit for World Cups. Most of them are in Europe. Um, so I we traveled, I think about 150 days last year. Oh um, yeah. So we and then within those um, training blocks or within those co- competition blocks, we also get a little bit of training in. Um, but during the um, summers, we will go find snow. So we were in Chile um, two weeks ago, and <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Um, and we'll go to some of the glaciers in Europe, um, that type of thing. So I just got back from a training trip to Colorado Springs where we did a lot of our physical testing because it does take a lot of off snow preparation as well. We've got a trainer. Um, I've got a sports psych that I work with to get ready for the season. Um, a nutritionist that, uh, makes sure that we're, you know, healthy and all that. So it's a whole team of people that get us ready for the season, which is really awesome. Yeah. And I think, um, people who want to aspire to be, you know, uh, a Paralympian needs to know that, right. And that it's not just yeah. training in this specific sport or the sport specific training, but it's, you know, general training, you know, whether it's strength and conditioning or cardio, it's yeah. nutrition, it's, you know, the psychology part of it, as you mentioned. Uh, so it's, it's the whole, whole gambit of all, yeah. all of that it's in, in yeah. part of it. Part of uh, when you when you commit to to competing at the at the international or Paralympic level, so mm-hmm. and and um, so in twenty twenty two, talk a little bit about how you did, and and then just kind of what you uh, envisioned, you know, be, you know, from twenty twenty two till you know, obviously to maybe even twenty twenty six. Yeah. Um. So Beijing was one of my first real international races at that elite level. Um. I was, it, so everything was new. Everything was the people I was competing against. And like, I've never seen people ski so fast in my whole life. And he's doing it with, you know, one leg and two outriggers. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really, so I really just kind of enjoyed that time and got used to everything. Um, I wasn't expecting to be competitive at the first Paralympic games that I went to. Um, but as a nice result from that, I was named to the U S national team later, um, that summer. So it was kind of a good kickstart to my international racing career. As you mentioned, you, you, you're you're still at it because you have just gone to uh chile and a couple other places and so is your goal to uh to hopefully be at that level in 20 in 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 just a few short years it's not too far away yep 2026 (laughs) um in cortina is my goal is to be at that level and you know everybody wants to win a gold medal but i really hope to be able to put all of the different pieces that we were talking about together um, to really be able to ski my best, the best that I know that I can. So that's kind of my overarching goal. But of course, everybody wants to win a gold medal. <laughs> <laughs> right. Who doesn't, right? Yeah. Yep. And what would you, 
what advice would you give to someone who maybe not even is interested in at the competitive level, but just, you know, hasn't, hasn't thought about, or even as we talked earlier, Ali, about has maybe a fear about going, you know, going downhill, going mm-hmm. fast, getting out in the snow, what advice would you give them? I think that the most growth occurs when we're out of our comfort zones. Um, I think that being able to be uncomfortable and trying new things um, and, you know, maybe not being good at it at first. um, I think being able to push through that and being able to evolve as a person because of it is totally worth the initial discomfort. But it is hard to kind of see outside of that initial feeling of, Oh, I don't want to do this. Um, so I definitely understand it, but I think we don't know what we're capable of until we push it. Right. That's true. And as, as you uh, mentioned, obviously, because you had uh, a family connection and, and regular trips to winter park, mm-hmm. uh, you were familiar with, you know, that mountain and that place um, for someone who is, you know, maybe in Illinois or Ohio mm-hmm. or other places that may not have a mountain within, you know, an hour or two hours or even a few hours of their of their home. What what do you recommend they do to just kind of find the right the right place? Yeah, um, of course, at ski spec really worked for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that is um, a really good resource for meeting people, and um, I know. People will go there and kind of decide if it's for them, kind of like I did, or they'll go there to meet people and be able to find a home program and um, yeah, that type of thing. I think that that's a great resource. I think that reaching out to any, really any athlete, um, we are constantly wanting to talk about skiing. So if you have any questions, I think any one of us at the um, national team level would love to talk about it. Um, But also people, other people with disabilities. um, I think just like finding that connection and being able to, even if skiing, you know, you try it, skiing is not your thing. You don't like the cold. I don't like the cold either. Um, (laughs) But I think that being able to find those people um, that are your tribe. Mm-hmm. And, and you, um, you talked a little bit about, uh, we talked a little bit about classification and uh, kind of the point structure. When and how did you get classified? Because I know sometimes that's that uh, once you decide that, hey, I may want to try this at a at more than just a recreational level. Uh, one of the first things you'll, you'll need to do, obviously, is get classified. And that's sometimes a challenge or a struggle in terms of when and where and how. How did yeah. you go about doing that? Um, so my coach um, from my home program really helped me through that process. Um, I know that we have a bunch of support staff over at the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee that can also help. Um, but it is, I think, during the COVID years and um, all that lack of international travel was really tough on the classification process because people were, you know, not classified for two years and then just kind of waiting around. I guess that brings me to a point 
that we've not really talked about, which is the importance of a coach. So yeah, I yeah. know, and was it Scott that was your that was your coach? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Scott Olson and Eric yeah. Peterson. Yeah, and so uh, talk a little bit about um, the importance of getting a coach and having a coach. Um, yeah. Uh, particularly if you want to do it more than just for, you know, on, on Saturdays or Sundays for fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that that's really important. We're going through a bunch of transitions right now with the U S team. Um, and is it okay if I put my dogs away really quick? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Um, so um, having a coach is really important. Being able to have somebody that A, knows your disability, um, B, knows ski racing and how your disability can affect, you know, the different body positions that you can get into that type of thing. Um, and then also just like a supportive figure. I know uh Scott always has the joke about if I had a business card, it would say so many things. It would say therapist, it would say mediator, it would say, you know, Sherpa, that type of thing. Um, but they really do provide so much more than just skiing technique. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And just like, as you said, knowing where the competitions are, knowing mm -hmm. how to get classified, those types of things that an individual, you know, getting into it's just they, you know, where do you begin, right? That's yeah, yeah. Where do you begin? Yeah, and I they, think that beginning a good beginning place would be to reach out to adaptive programs um, around you, like mm -hmm. the NSCDs in Colorado, um, the. National Ability Centers in Utah, um, all of those are really good beginner-friendly programs. Um, and kind of being able to reach out to them to see if you'd be a good fit, I think that's the best place to start um, unless you could find like an individual with this knowledge, which is kind of tricky. It's a very niche sport <laughs> <laughs> that that it is now I, I love one of your mantras that that you know a, a ski like a girl so mm -hmm. what do, what does that mean because I, I really uh love that idea yeah i used to have when i was growing up i was a sassy little thing and on my helmet i had um a sticker that said i ski like a girl can you keep up and i just thought that that was the coolest thing um and i kind of have brought that energy into my racing career as well because we don't have many women um in the you know in the US right now in para sports right now um i think that the um being able to proudly ski like a girl being able to be 
proud to be a disabled woman and be doing the things that you're doing, I think is just a huge and very important thing. Uh, I also wear a bright pink helmet, so there's no mistaken. I'm uh, very proud and happy to be a part of the disabled female community. And so that's almost like a call to action then if there's uh, a young athletes or other athletes with disabilities, uh, sounds like we need more in, in the U.S. And, and obviously internationally as well, but, but particularly yes. here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, there's four women on the um, U.S. team this year that's up from three last year. So we're doing good. Um, but it is a really male dominated industry in general. Um, and being able to be a part of the movement to get more people, women with disabilities into sport, I think is one of my, um, one of my missions and one of the things I'm most proud of in my career. And, um, anything I haven't asked you about, uh, alpine skiing in general that you you'd like to share? Um, no, I think, I think we covered a lot of it. I, last season was my first season on the world cup, um, circuit. And I won a, um, overall bronze and giant slalom. So that was really exciting. Um, I'm, I was told I need to brag about myself more. So (laughs) there's my brag. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, skiing in the community has really changed my life. I am so happy that I didn't have an answer to that why not question. Um, it's the best non-response I'd ever had. Um, and I think just no matter what you're doing, if it's skiing or if it's something a little less crazy than, you know, Throwing yourself down a mountain at 60 miles an hour. Uh, I think that getting out of your comfort zone and being able to push yourself um, with a community of like-minded people, I think that's really, really important. 